0: What's going on, guys? This is Gary. This is Josh. Let's talk soccer. How you doing, buddy boy? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. It's been a little while since we've recorded one of these here podcasts. And since we're, what, 12 days, less than two weeks out from the start of the new Premier League season, the new FPL season, we thought it'd be a great time to do a podcast. Yes. Sort of introduce the new season. So what we're going to do is we're going to do this in two parts, guys. The first part... Josh and I are going to go through our tips uh, for the upcoming FPL season. Some of these will be great if you're a newcomer to the game and have never played FPL before or maybe still have some questions about it. <clears throat> and some of those may seem a little basic to those of us that have played for a while, but could also be great reminders. And then some of these may be new and hopefully useful to anyone and everyone regardless of of how much experience you have in the game. Um, Sometimes, you know, as managers, we uh, get a little bit uh, of tunnel vision in terms of, you know, how we think and how we approach the game. And, uh, you know, sometimes these these are good reminders for us. So we'll leave it at that. So we'll do these tips first, and then Josh will leave us, and I will go through... The second half of it, which is a list of some of the players that we think are kind of under the radar right now, Mm -hmm. the ones that aren't getting as much um, love, uh, at least social media-wise and even ownership-wise, that we think deserve uh, to be on the radar a little more, to maybe uh, get a little more attention, have a little more managers talking about them than... Is happening right now all right so let's first get into these tips and we posted these on the Let's Talk Soccer Instagram page as well as on our Twitter account too um, but as many of you probably already know we're a lot more active on Instagram so uh, we suggest that if you're gonna go check these out go there uh, that's where you know uh, the majority of our community is located. So lots of great people to interact with there. All right. Tip number one. And some of these are observations. Some of these are tips, but all useful. Number one, you are in control of your team. You're the boss. And just because a player has high ownership um, or, you know, lots of other managers, you know, in the you know the Twitter sphere or on social media, are talking about them or or buying them up. It doesn't mean he's the best choice for your team. And what we're saying here is, don't let that sort of ownership, that sort of chatter, influence your decisions. Yeah,
1: you. When you look at the ownership stats of players, it's it's in a way it's deceiving because yeah, they're the most owned players, which probably means something like they're probably the most popular or they're at least assumed to get the most points. But right. what you have to think is if everyone generally has the same team, at some point it's going to be hard to start moving up rankings. Like yeah. we reached a point where we were almost trying to just get people who had lower ownership because we weren't really moving a lot
0: yeah. due to us pretty much having the same team everyone else did. Exactly. And, you know – um, I think, you know, there's sort of that FOMO, that fear of missing out uh, phenomenon that happens that, oh my God, if I don't have Bruno in my squad, I'm doomed. Um, And it's not necessarily the case. We'll talk about this in a few more um, uh, tips or best practices here, but, you know, it's, it's about the team as a whole, not necessarily about one individual player. And that's what this is talking about. You know, don't feel pressured or compelled to put Bruno in your team, again, using him as an example, if you don't want him in your team. If you'd rather have Manchester United coverage through Rashford or a combination of Greenwood and Martial, then do it that way. You don't have to have Bruno in your team. All right. Number two, hold on to your first wild card between the transfer window closing um, I think early October, which is just after the game week four deadline. So if you play that wild card in week two or three, like a lot of managers are talking about, and then let's just say Manchester City announced uh, the acquisition of a certain player from Argentina in their squad, it's going to take some major surgery and some big hits in order to squeeze that Argentine player, Lionel Messi, into your squad. So um, it's a little bit weird this season, the way things are set up. So that transfer window doesn't close until right after the game week four deadline. So that's one reason to hold on to your wild card. Um, The other element of this is that there's this sort of dark cloud hanging over the sports world, this looming threat of covid right and it takes just one player like we saw triore today I think it was announced uh, that he had to leave the the Spain squad because he tested positive you know just one of those things to happen and a player or two from a certain team to be uh, to test positive and all of a sudden that team's fixtures get postponed um, and maybe another team then of course another team whatever team they're facing gets postponed So something like that happens, and now they've got to miss what a minimum of fourteen days. That could be two, maybe even three fixtures. That's when the wild card can come in handy too, right? If if it's a you know if it's you know say twenty five to percent to a third of your team, that wild card may come in really really handy. So um, just a couple words of advice there. Anything to add to that?
1: I, I also just think, like, back to the Messi point, when we're saying, um, like, there's major rebuilding to be done, mm-hmm. it, like, usually, if you're trying to bring in someone who's hot, you're. it's usually, you're able to do it with about two transfers. Right. Um, just taking out a very expensive player and switching out with him and a cheaper player. Right. But with Messi, uh, he's definitely going to be the most expensive if he, if he joins Man City which means you're probably going to have to make three or four transfers of your, on your team.
0: Yeah, you could. To get
1: in everyone you want.
0: It's a good point. You know, Havertz is another one. Potentially won't be as much as Messi. But, you know, it's just to say that um, there's there's a lot, you know, and we know that normally in these transfer windows it comes down, especially for sort of a, the really big deals, comes down to the wire and um, – it could just, it could leave you wanting this player desperately in your squad, and to your point, Josh, you know, it could could take a lot of uh, transfers and really kind of tear your team up and, of course, cost you, you know, 8, 12, 16 points and hits just, just to get that, that transaction done. All right, tip number three. We're saying have a plan, but also be flexible, right? Um... Things outside of our control happen all the time. It's always good to stay a step or two ahead. You know, plan out for three, five, eight weeks, whatever it is. You know, look look to the short and midterm for sure. But things happen, right? Um, Players get injured. Uh, They test positive for COVID. Um, Players who may be out of form suddenly find good form so you know sometimes you just got to go with the flow a little bit so you know um have a plan in your mind but don't get so rattled uh if that plan needs to change be adaptive yeah all right right. that one's pretty self-explanatory number four is short form over fixture form over fixtures always so you know um last season it seemed like a lot of there was a lot of bouncing around of uh, a lot of transfers being done, very, very short-term transfers, all based on uh, a fixture. You know, I'm going to bring Calvert Lewin into my team because he's facing Norwich. And inevitably, Calvert Lewin did nothing in a game like that. And I'm just bringing that up as an example. I don't remember exactly what happened in that game. But, um... It's the form players and especially the ones that that you know and you have history on that you know do well over time Sterling will as he always does um, gets hot and cold and he'll go through those cold those very frustrating cold spells but more often than not he delivers and over the course of a season he delivers so it's it's sticking with those form players um, even through uh, the be cold spells during their poor periods, uh, just as much as you would during their um, during their hot streaks, because um, we know that Kevin De Bruyne is going to deliver against any and all opponents, most usually, and not just against the bottom half of the table teams. Exactly, <laughs> and
1: right. when you look at the end of at the end of the season, you see you go to the overall points or total score. It's all the like the top players. They're they're always there, yep. and there's a reason for that. It's because of their quality, and it yep. doesn't necessarily mean like against what against really any team. They can do it against any team. Yep. Um, especially in the Premier League, there's as much as we say like oh, like the the red on a four, uh, a four out of the five mm-hmm. fixture. It looked bad, but it, like every team is very vulnerable to just anything especially from a top class player right
0: um and especially an informed player yeah exactly um look at you know great case in point look at Pulisic post restart he was absolutely on fire he didn't start against Liverpool at Liverpool right but what he did in the 20 minutes that he came on was just tear that Liverpool defense up um that is a case of just going with a form player regardless of, you know, going away to the team that had already won the league and had won the league even really uh, prior to the, the restart, before all the COVID stuff happened. That's a great example of form over fixtures. All right? number five, have a usable bench. Um, at least... Especially for your outfield players, doesn't necessarily have to be for goalkeeper, they're you know they clearly don't get rotated nearly as much um, in their squads. Uh, But you want those three outfield players at the least uh, to be usable, and what usable means is that they start regularly or with some level of regularity, and especially you want that in this COVID era, right? Um, you know, like we said. An entire team's fixtures may be postponed for a game week or two, uh, and you're going to need your bench players to come in and and fill in those voids. Uh, a player may get sick, whatever the case is, um, you're gonna you're gonna need coverage from your bench.
1: Yeah, I mean, at worst, even if they're just getting two points just for playing, right? Um,
0: it's better than none.
1: Yeah, it's better than none, and it's at least having that um that sort of safety net of I mean, at least they'll play. And who knows, maybe they'd be a surprise assist or yeah. they score somehow. That's um, a great point. It's just, it's like that unexpected, but right. at least you have the safety of it. Yeah,
0: yeah. You can, yeah. Um, you can breathe a little easy. Um, you know, there's still some level of fixture congestion this season, not nearly as bad, of course, as um, the, the restart fixture lineup was. Um, so, you know, we'll probably see a little bit more rotation than we did at this point last season. Uh, Say the the first half of last season versus the first half of this season. So it's just, it's the safety net that you were talking about. All right, that is our first five. Number six, it's okay to save a free transfer. And it's okay even to burn a free transfer. So for those that don't know, each week, each game week, you get one free transfer that you can use. You can make more transfers, but you're deducted four points off your overall score every for every transfer that you make over and above your free transfer. You can carry a free transfer over into another game week, and you can have a maximum of two free transfers at any given time. So um, this is kind of saying two things. One is... You don't have to use your free transfer every single game week. If you want to roll one over to the next game week so that you can make two transfers and make a little more significant change to your team if you want to, that's fine. Don't feel compelled that you have to use it just for using it. The other half of this is saying you may be so happy with your team or at least maybe you can't find any suitable transfers that make a a visible improvement to your team um, that it's okay to let one of those free transfers just go away without even using it. So you carry one over from last game week, you've got two now for this game week, and you decide, you know what, um, I love my team. I think it's going to do great this weekend, and I'm just going to let one of those free transfers burn away, and I'll carry over the other one now from this game week and the next game week and then I'll have two next game week but it's okay and I think a lot of managers are very uncomfortable with that but you know you don't have to make changes
1: yeah don't feel like you have to make a transfer just to make a transfer right
0: uh, there's nothing wrong with that it's actually I think the sign of uh, a more mature manager one that that is very confident in his or her team alright number seven Avoid rage transfers, and if you played for even one season or even part of one season, you know exactly what we're talking about. When you get so upset with a player um, that you have in your team and he performs poorly or doesn't play or you've triple captained him and he screws you over, whatever it is, and immediately you transfer him out uh, for a different player. Or maybe it kind of works the other way and a player you don't have does so well that you've gotta have him in your team uh, for for next uh, for the next game week. And this is just saying really don't make your decisions based on emotions because that usually doesn't pay off well. and You usually sort of regret that. Right? Take a breather. <clears throat> Nothing's going to happen right at that moment anyway. No prices are changing. Nothing, you know, you're not stuck with him for the next game week at all. Just you know, take a step back. Collect your cool, um, and make decisions the right way. You ever made a raid transfer? Of course I have. Uh, Yes. I'm trying to think of, uh, I I know I've made some, I can't think of any in particular, but um, mine seems to be more, I want that guy. You know, the grass is always greener sort of approach that, man, I didn't have a Bomb Yang in my team this weekend, and he killed me, so I'm going to try to get rid of whomever and, and bring him in instead. And that that doesn't usually work either. All right, number eight. Um, don't have too high of expectations with your enablers. And enablers are players that um, are very cheap uh, or among the cheapest in their position. And they just enable a manager to... Um, get more of the the premium players or be able to afford more quality players in their side. So don't have too high of hopes with these guys, these four and a half million pound players. Um, like you were talking about, Josh, with the bench players, really the, the most you can hope for is that they start and they play 60 plus minutes so that you can get those two points. Anything on top of that, any sort of... Uh, attacking returns or uh, clean sheet um, is just sort of icing on the cake and more the exception than the rule. But every once in a while you find those um, those Lundstrom type players, the wan Basaka from a couple of uh, seasons ago, you know, you find those players that turn out to be high-valued players and not only are starters and getting you those 2 points but uh, oftentimes more than that so it'd be interesting to see who the Lundstrom of this season is any thoughts on who maybe
1: i don't know and that's the thing that's always sort of interesting about it is it, we never really know exactly i think wambasaka was a bit of an exception where going into the season mm-hmm. we saw his preseason and we knew he was at least he was going to start for Right for Crystal Palace. Then he went on to have a very good season with mm-hmm. them. Um, this year, I'm not exactly sure who's going to be good, but the good thing about how cheap they are, um, how cheap the players are, is even if they do go up in price, maybe once or twice, mm-hmm. you still should be pretty good with value. Yeah, yeah, because they shouldn't go up too much, and they're still very, uh, very cheap.
0: I think. Um... I think there's a chance that Brewster, if he's put out on loan somewhere, and supposedly Sheffield United are super interested in him, he's four and a half million. He's done well this preseason for Liverpool, so uh, despite missing that penalty kick in the Community Shield, um, but he could be one that could be, uh, you know, if he starts at four and a half million, that would be a massive value. Um, all right, uh, number nine. It's about the whole of your team. We kind of talked about this for half a second early on. It's about the whole of your team, not just a single player or even two players. Don't sacrifice the quality of your team just to force fit one player into it. So, you know, our our suggestion is look at it like this. Will the 11 players that I have in my starting lineup Will this combination of players earn more points than maybe the uh, the the version of the team if I tried to force fit this player in? You know, with uh, presumably a few weaker players around him, is the team that I've built without this force fit player better, or have does it have more potential to earn more points than the version with that player in it? that's ultimately what you're looking at. Uh, I think, you know, the goal is somewhere around 67, 68 points. Uh, I think that's, on average, what uh, this past year's winner had in terms of FPL points each and every game week. Um, Doesn't sound that bad, you know, for most game weeks, but, you know, over the course of a season, you know, close to 70 points is is a decent amount. so But you got to look at it like that, right? Because um, your one force-fit player is going to have bad game weeks. So, again, if that is a also presumably very expensive player, could your money be utilized better and sort of spread it around and have a stronger team?
1: Yeah, because when we're talking about this, um, he averages 70 points. Uh, the, the top player averages 70 points every week. Overall, it doesn't sound like super... Super high, mm-hmm. but what you have to consider is that's over. That's over a return from every player every week. Right. So if you only have this one player, or at least you're focused on this one player, and he blanks, you're left with, and you're left in a much worse situation with like a, a less consistent team right. throughout. Yeah, it's a great point. If that guy doesn't
0: deliver, yeah, yeah you're left
1: with less consistent.
0: It's a very good point. Um, yeah, I think it was like, say, 67 and a quarter or so points. So we'll just say between 67 and 68 points for um, the guy that finished first last season. So to make it simple, you're looking at, like you said, you're looking at six points per player in your starting 11. You're at 66 right there, which I would gladly take. Wouldn't be number one in the world, but would certainly finish, uh, you know, not too far off from that. All right, we're halfway through. Number 10, and this kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the one we just talked about. Strive for a well-balanced team to really make the most of your budget. So, um, you know, kind of catchy uh, strategies over the past seasons. you know, big at the back or, you know, mighty in the midfield, stacked at striker, you know, uh, we're going all in up front and going to have a bunch of 4.5 million um, price defenders in the back, whatever it is, just like anything else in your life. Uh, you know, you're looking at your stock portfolio, um, your whatever it may be. The balanced approach is usually the best long term strategy. You may find immediate gain going really aggressive in one specific area, but like your point to the, the one player trying to force fit a new team, can't always depend on that. But collectively, um, you know, you stand a much better chance. So uh, the balanced approach over time is proven over and over again in all aspects of life that it works well. All right. Number 11. This is something that we need to do a much better job of this season. Take hits sparingly. because or just not even at all. Right. And sometimes you're kind of forced into it. But, um, you know, it has to be for us this season a super compelling reason why. Because those minus fours that seem harmless... Those can add up really, really fast, Um, and especially if you're making knee-jerk transfer, you know, rage-type transfers or, you know, the FOMO approach of I'm really envious of not having that guy, so I'm going to, you know, make, I'm going to move two players and take a hit just to get this one premium player in, whatever it is. Um, That can decimate your overall rank quickly and sort of invisibly too. You know, um, it's not deducted right away. It doesn't happen till the end of the game week and it's it's only four points here or there. That's not that big of a deal, but you know, just be smart about it. Yeah, it's quite a lot
1: when you think about it because when you take two hits for example, that's over one return of a player.
0: Right. Yes.
1: Right. Plus a couple of bonus points. Yeah, so let's say your striker scores and gets two bonus points. Yeah it just negates that with two two hits
0: gone all right number 12 pick a player or two as your captains and stick with that guy or those guys for the season you know when you go into this is kind of the form over fixtures type of approach here too bouncing around from player to player to player that oh you know they've got you know um the strongest green fixture, you know, they've got the number two FDR coming up this weekend. So I'm going to go with, with player A instead of, or let's say player A and player B are your two most captainable players week in and week out. I'm going to go with player C this week, player D that next week, just playing the fixture game versus I know that KDB, again, back to this example, can return against anybody. I know Sala is capable of easily a 13-point, 15-point game at any given time. He can blow it up. Stick with the ones. You know, pick your one or two favorite and just stick with those players. Alright. That is number 12, number 13. We talk about this a lot. Use data, look at underlying stats, do analysis or use a tool that does analysis for you and get insights to really drive your decisions. The eye test is fine, but it's subjective, um, you know, and the, don't let the ownership drive, you know, your, your transfers and your decisions. It's about the data, you know, is this player underperforming or overperforming his expected goals or expected assists? Um, you know, if it's between two guys that I want to captain, whose form looks the best? I can look at that through data. And then which team, let me take a look at their, the teams are going up against. Um, you know, what do they look like defensively? Which one's conceding more shots in the box? Uh, which ones are, con- are conceding more big chances, whatever it is. Look at that stuff and let it, let that Be the foundation of your decision making because that will always steer you true. May not pay off that game week, but again, we're playing 38 weeks here, hopefully. Um, So, over time, again, that balanced approach, it'll pay off for you. And, you know, whether you go with Fantasy Football Hub, which we have a good affiliation with and we love to use, and even honestly, if we didn't have an affiliation we would we would pay I think it's you know, two dollars or two pounds depending on where you live um, a month that's nothing to be able to have that level of insight um, and go to our Instagram page click on the link there in our bio you get a free trial give it give it a run this is the perfect time you're putting your game week one team together it's the perfect time to look at that and make those decisions for you. Give it a shot. Let us know how it works out for you. Let us know if you have questions. We'll always answer those. All right, number 14. No player's essential, and and this really rubs people the wrong way. No player is quote-unquote essential or quote-unquote a must-have. Do you believe that, or do you believe that certain players are essential? I I don't believe players are essential because
1: I feel like there are players that can do an equal job. Mm -hmm. Maybe not as consistently, but they can easily get at least a fairly good return. That yeah. And you don't you don't always need like a KDB in your team. Right. Like he's not essential to have success. Like there's no right like written thing that says if you don't have KDB in you're your team, fail. you're gonna yeah, you're not gonna have a good season. There's nothing that says that.
0: There are plenty of examples from say the top, I don't know, hundred, top fifty, you know, I just kind of looked through randomly last at the end of last season and, you know, never once did you know, a top manager have, say, Salah or KDB or, you know, never had Bruno in their team when he, you know, came back in, in January. So it, c- it can absolutely be done. It can be done really successfully, you know, back to multiple points now about having that balanced squad. If it means that you have to get this essential player into your team and run the risk of really having a pretty lame lineup built around this one player, then, What's what's the good of it? It's going to ultimately hurt your team. So, you know, when, when people ask, you know, is so-and-so essential or is so-and-so a must-have? I always say, no. Um, it really is, what are your other options if, like the way we have things set up right now, we're going without Bruno as of now. Could change. But right now, our starting 11 is built without Bruno in it because it allows us to get both Greenwood and Martial into the team. <clears throat> And certainly, those two combined will out-earn anything that Bruno could put together, But as an example. uh, But don't think of it that that you have to have someone, for whatever the reason. Um, All right, number 15. And then we're, what, uh, three-quarters of the way done here. Have some differentials in your team. Take a chance. Have some fun with it. You know, you can make, still with differentials, make an informed decision based on the data, based on the form, and choose, you know, a player or two. It can certainly help improve your rank uh, more significantly than if you just go for sort of the the template team that everybody talks about. And, you know, it just injects a little bit of fun, a little sort of extra layer into your game. Yeah, and many
1: times the differential players, they're actually really top-quality players just sort of go under the radar. Um, yeah. Yeah, and also it's it gets you away from just having the same not-very risky team.
0: It's boring. Yeah, you know. Um, I know St. Maximum is a, is a popular one. I think Foden will be somewhat of a differential still this season. I think a lot of people aren't necessarily sold on him or sold on the fact that that he'll get a decent amount of playing time. Right now, Aguero is a differential. I mean, you know, there are some differentials that are still proven players. You know, I mean, if if Aguero is going to go sort of under the radar for as much as he is right now, um, I'll gladly take him. Love that guy. All right, number 16, jump on the informed players early. If you've looked at the data and you're convinced and you're tempted by someone and it feels like a good decision to you, um, go get him. Because, and this happened to us a bunch last season, we'll go, all right, one more week. I need to see what's going on. And then he blows it up again that coming week. Pulisic is a great example. We didn't get him until probably maybe the last three weeks of the the restart. And by then, things kind of cooled down for him a little bit. Um, So go grab that form player, especially if it's a player that you know can do these things somewhat frequently. You know, to catch Sterling in form at the beginning of it versus the end of it can make a world of difference. Same with a player like Vardy for example. Number 17 be patient. Just because one of your players, maybe one that you just transferred in, maybe one that uh, that you're building for your game week one squad just because he doesn't deliver right o- straight away doesn't mean that he's a bust. It doesn't mean it was a bad decision. Uh, especially when you're transferring new players into your team, give them a few games. Maybe you did catch them at the tail end of their in-form period. So, you know, players ebb in and out of that all the time. So, you know, maybe he's just dropping out of it for now and he's about to go back into it in another three games or so. So again, if these are proven players that you know can do these things, just stick with them, and it'll pay off. Use those free transfers in other areas that need more attention. Number 18, our final three, and these are not ranked in any sort of order. Um, Don't let any sort of looming or impending price price change, either up or down, force your transfer decisions. That is another way to, uh, you know, make sort of an emotional transfer, an emotional move versus maybe more of a rational one. Um, We advise maybe even keeping a little bit of money in the bank. Keep an extra, you know, .5 in there so that, especially early in the season, if, uh, you know, if you didn't get Werner and you kind of want to wait and see and then all of a sudden he looks like to be the real thing during – the regular season you want to get them, have that little cushion in your budget. Same thing goes if a player you're not loving and you're thinking about transferring out, his price drops. Uh, You know, a lot can happen. If you try to beat the price change, maybe a price rise, uh, the night, you know, say on a Sunday night as the, the game week is wrapping up, players can get injured between that Monday morning when they're back in training and the next weekend where... He has another fixture. That It happens all the time. So, um, you know, don't, don't let that be the reason you're making a transfer. That should be the last reason for making a transfer, really. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Nice. All right. Um, and let's wrap it up here. The last two. Hold on to the players that have proven track records. And we've touched on this a little bit. Just because... Your premium player, again, we'll use the, um, let's say Sterling, again, because he is one that can frustrate owners, right? He's playing great for a few game weeks, and then he's complete, you know, crap for another couple or a few. Just because he isn't hauling straight from the start um, and isn't hauling week in and week out doesn't mean that he won't do that sooner or later. We know in this case that Sterling will. So if that player, whomever that is, um, has a strong and proven history and, of course, has those impressive um, and encouraging and desirable underlying stats, he will come through for you. Just be patient with it and trust in the process. It will pay off. Yeah, especially with someone...
1: Sterling's a great example considering how inconsistent he is. Yeah. Um, Because... there's no real in between for him. It's either he gets like a one pointer. Yeah. Or he gets like probably about, I would say about 16. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He, I mean, he'll, he'll miss a complete sitter right in front of the goal. We've, God, how many times have we seen him do that? And it's a, a sure goal. I could score it. Uh, and somehow he manages to sky it over the, the crossbar. But um, just don't, bounce around because when you start to bounce around and you'll ultimately regret that decision, um, it, it just never works out or I've rarely seen that work out. The last one, most important one, have fun with this, right? It's a game. It is a game. It's not life or death. Although sometimes all of us approach it like it is. We spend a lot of time, uh, you know, researching and and tinkering and you know you name it we're doing it thinking and overthinking and rethinking and um you know using hindsight and all those things it's a game um so you know and we've seen this i've seen this happen actually quite a bit recently on twitter where different uh managers or accounts will you know say that they're going to take a break from things because it's consuming their every thought and their every action and um, that's that's when a game turns into a job, or um, you know um, something even more than that, and it's that that that's getting a little bit out of hand. So if you ever find yourself kind of getting to that point, um, take a step back, talk to friends, talk to your mates, talk to hit us up, um, reach out to this wonderful community that we all are in as part of this FPL community. There's a ton of support out there as much as people like to you know, have a little sort of banter and there's some you know, Twitter beefs going on and stuff right now. And there always are. Um, it's a, it's a compassionate, great group of people. So um, just remember this is all for fun. So have some fun with it. Right? Yeah. And, w-
1: and when you're having fun, you'll probably also make better decisions.
0: It's a great so. point, right? You got a cooler head. It's an excellent point, my son. Yep. Nice. All right, so that's going to do it for our top 20 tips and uh, best practices. So I'm going to excuse Josh here in a second, and then we'll get into the second half of this, which is about some players that that we think are under the radar and some players that maybe you want to consider uh, for your, your game week one team. So uh, Josh, I thank you for your time. It was great being here. And I know you've got your own football training tonight. So I do. We'll let you get off to that. All right. All right. Peace. And we'll be back, everybody. So hang tight. And we're back. So Josh is gone now, and it, you're stuck with me for the next little bit. So thank you guys for sticking through. And let me say again how much we appreciate y'all um, and really value the community that we have specifically. Uh, kind of within the Let's Talk Soccer uh, stratosphere that we have. Um, you know, it's it's an excellent group of people, and I think some of the greatest people in all of the FPL community. So uh, we really do value you guys. We really do care about you guys. So when we ask, you know, how people are doing, and, you know, kind of posting those <clears throat> those mental mental health awareness types of things and stuff, you know, it's all coming from, A really good place, Um, you know. With everything that's kind of going on in the world these days, it's it's good for each of us to kind of check in on each other and you know um, lend an ear uh, when one is needed. So, um, all right. That said, let's talk about these under the radar players that we're calling it whatever you want to call them, low ownership or you know um, infrequently talked about types of players or so. And we'll do it by position, and certainly this is not every single one of them that would be on our list, but um, you know, kind of off the top of our head. And some of the bigger names, especially on that list, we want to go through. And I get it. Um, a couple of the players that we'll name don't have uh, games in Game Week 1, so maybe that's why, but even still... You know, it's it's a lot less activity around these people than I would think or we would think, despite the fact that maybe they don't have a game until game week two. All right, let's do this. First up are defenders. I didn't really have any goalkeepers necessarily that I wanted to talk about. Uh, I guess players, you know, like, say Schmeichel isn't being talked about very much, Pickford. You know, it seems to be uh, Lloris, Pope, mm, What else? Ryan and McCarthy really is kind of it. Um you know, those four probably cover ninety nine percent of the goalkeeper goalkeepers that we see in different team drafts or that we see people tweet about or do analyses of or anything along those lines. But I'm sure there's gotta be some managers that have some of those other guys in there. It'll be curious to see where what happens with with Dean Henderson. So, of course, we know that he's back at Manchester United, but is he going to have a legit chance of being Ole's number one? And if so, what happens to De Gea? Um, You know, will – if those two are competing for the number one goalkeeper spot, will Manchester United allow the other one to go out on loan so that he can – continue to play and and keep sharpening his skills and stuff. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. Not well, hasn't been a whole lot of conversation around that, which I find kind of interesting. Okay, now the list. <clears throat> Defenders. I guess sort of the theme here is that it doesn't have to be all about Trent, but it is. And yes, Trent has been injured and hasn't played in any of Liverpool's preseason games. <clears throat> Apparently, uh, Klopp says that he'll be back in time for game week one, but will he start in game week one? Will Klopp sort of ease him back into things? We can see that Liverpool haven't been quite as sharp a team without Trent there. Maybe it's not the impact or the lack of Trent at all. And maybe it's, you know, sort of a, a hangover from a long season, <clears throat> um, you know, have they become complacent with winning the title after 30 years? I don't think so, but, you know, it certainly is a theory of sorts. But nevertheless, I haven't seen a a draft of a team yet without Trent in it. But just like we're saying about, you know, essential players and must-have players, he doesn't have to be, you know, the, the only premium player in someone's team and maybe doesn't have to be in someone's team at all. So here's a couple others and his two of his team teammates. In fact, that I want to talk about the first is Robertson do not see him mentioned even a fraction, uh, as, as much as Trent is mentioned. Although if you look at, uh, the post restart numbers, and I don't have them right in front of me right now, but fantasy football hub is a great place to go and look at those. Um, but the productivity, the output from Robertson was noticeably greater than Trent in those last, you know, eight or nine weeks or so. Um, but over the course of the season, of course, Trent had um, the better performance and, uh, you know, was second in the league in, in um, assists, which is a phenomenal feat, um, especially for a defender. But anyway, so for Robertson, um, if you look at... Last season as a whole among all defenders. He was third among defenders for key passes. He had 60. Second among defenders for big chances created, 14 of them, which is you know both great numbers. Um, and second among defenders for expected assists with just a little over eight. It was eight point zero six. And then Also second for actual assists where he had 12. So he came in right behind uh, his teammate Trent there uh, in terms of defenders and then had the second most bonus points for all defenders with 20 and also second most in FPL points, which is 181. So literally came in second in all those categories except for key passes where he ranked third among defenders. Um, So... All of those great numbers, plus he's .5 million less than Trent. So certainly if, uh, you know, you're struggling to find an extra half of a million in there somewhere, Robertson ain't such a bad option. And he has looked fantastic in this preseason, especially in the community shield. Um, He was by far, to me, the standout player for Liverpool. So... Definitely uh, one that should be on more people's radars than, than he probably is. Um, and then right next to him, we have Van Dyke, <clears throat> who, um, remember, he only had a handful less points than Trent and Robertson last season. You know, as, a, as a, a center back, the fact that he's racking up almost as many points as, you know, as these wingbacks do, <clears throat> these fullbacks do, Um, and without nearly the, the attacking return opportunities that are sort of inherent to, you know, those, those left backs and those right backs, pretty amazing feat. Um, so among defenders over the course of all of last season, he was third in most shots taken, which was 31 shots. I found that pretty interesting. Um, certainly getting forward quite a bit, especially for a center back. Uh, he was second for shots on target with 15. So what took 31, half of those were on target. Not too shabby. Um, he was second among all defenders for shots in the box with 28. So of his 31 shots, 28 of those came from within the box or from inside the box um, second most for expected goals with just, uh, just shy of four and had the most goals among all defenders, um, with five. So not too shabby and, you know, his expected goals and his actual goals, um, maybe a little bit overperforming there, but not too much, but, um, Again, for a center back, he's getting awful lot of shots and he's converting a decent amount of those shots and at least getting them on, on target. So um, another one that now if you're even a half a million shy of Robertson, you've got Van Dyke as a great option. Now the only problem is, or the only question is, will Liverpool be as uh, defensively sound as they were last season or will will clean sheets be a little harder to come by in this new season? Uh, definitely time will tell on that. All right, moving into the midfield. We've got a few of them here. First one is Sun. And it seems like if he is considered, and he comes up a decent amount, not a ton, but a decent amount, um, it's really more for the short term. It is, you know, for game week one, maybe game week two, and then people are keeping a little money in the bank to um, to – Replace him with uh, Bruno or maybe Rashford if he's healthy or something. So um, a lot of people not considering Sun in sort of the mid to long term there. But if you look back over um, the season in terms of midfielders, looking in that category specifically, Sun ranked in the top five for shots on target, shots in the box, expected goal involvement. So that's, of course, expected goals plus expected assists, um, actual goal involvement, big chances created, expected assists, and assists. So top five for all those categories. Um, You know, if if you're looking for a Spurs asset, um, you know, I think between him and Kane, of course, Sun is a little more affordable and, you know, based on these numbers, based on this performance, uh, a pretty solid Uh, attacking option there, and even if you're not necessarily looking for a Spurs player in particular, but just looking for a good midfielder, you know, he's one of those guys too that um, he has the potential with a high ceiling, and that's something really in your attacking players that you want to look for is, what's their, their ceiling? Either they have to be a consistently good, maybe not great, but consistently good player, or they need to have that ability to you know, uh, with some level of regularity, um, hit that high ceiling, you know, Um, because, you know, they'll have uh, low floors sometimes, but their ceilings are so high that it kind of balances everything out. Next midfielder, and um, labeled as a midfielder now, um, is Rashford. Uh, Yeah, I know he's injured, but still not talked about a ton even before that. I mean, the injury just kind of, Became a thing in the past couple of days looking um, in you know post restart for midfielders Sort of converting him into that uh, Was had the fourth most big chances per appearance Um, and So that was per appearance for totals um, during that same nine game period He had the second most big chances created which was five he was second in expected assists with just under three. Plus, now remember, that was as a forward. He's now classified as a midfielder, so he'll get an additional point per goal and also um, a point per clean sheet, which didn't happen as a forward. So, you know, every little bit there helps. And, you know, if uh, if Man United can, can keep a decent, you know, a healthy amount of clean sheets there, then, you know, and all that stuff adds up. All that helps your your overall rank for sure. Um, next up on our list, Mane. So if anybody's talking about a Liverpool player, it is in the midfield. It is Salah, and hardly ever is Mane coming up. He has just twelve percent ownership right now compared to Salah's, which is thirty three. So almost almost a third of Salah's ownership. And why is that? That's one of those things where, not all of it, but a good portion of it, can be attributed to that sort of "quote unquote" essential tag, you know. Um, which, like we said, not really big believers or really believers at all in that, but definitely doesn't don't think that Monet is getting um, the credit that he deserves and the consideration that he deserves here. Um, so, if you're looking for differentials probably doesn't get better than him. Um, you know, yeah, he's not under 10% ownership, which is sort of the classic definition of of a, a differential, but 12%, not that much above it. Um, certainly a lot less than other premium defenders, you know, as the, you know, co- highest priced, or sorry, midfielder um, in the game, not defender. Um, you know, his ownership is nowhere where you would think it would be, so uh, that is certainly an opportunity to make up some ground, or, or um, you know, straight off the the bat, just create some distance between your team and and many many of the others. Especially if Mane has you know a, a great game in in week one and week two, um, you know that could that could be a huge head start for anyone that owns him. So if we look at Last season, he had the third most shots in the box for midfielders, third most big chances created, third most goals scored, and the third most FPL points. So, of course, you know, in all those categories behind uh, Salah and De Bruyne, so um, in great company there. So, you know, one of those players that, you know, probably deserves a little more, um, more love than he's getting out there. Next midfielder, and this is uh, <clears throat> the penultimate uh, midfielder that we'll have. We'll have one more after this. Love that word penultimate. Um, is Sterling, and sort of similar to Mane, right? So if Sterling is kind of the equivalent of Mane as De Bruyne is to Sala. <clears throat> so if you're mentioning a midfielder from Liverpool, it's almost always Sala, rarely Mane. And the same thing can be said for, um, for Man City with De Bruyne and Sterling. And, of course, we know that Man City don't play in game week one. But nevertheless, um, we do need to plan to get City players into our squad. So that's where I would expect to see Sterling's name pop up, pop up more. But um, he's really not. But for midfielders all of last season... Sterling had the second most shots. He had 99 shots on goal, or 99 shots. Um, Second most shots in the box with 83. That's a high percentage there. Had the most big chances of all midfielders with 33. And we know that the sort of the the catch with Sterling, like we were talking about earlier with Josh, uh, he tends to kind of flub some of the easier chances, so... You know, yes, he had a lot of big chances, but maybe didn't quite convert as many of those as he could have. Um, But still among midfielders had the most goals among all of them. He had 20. So imagine if he wouldn't have flubbed some of those. He would have won the golden boot and um, would have blown things out of the water. So, um, you know, he's only getting stronger and better. And that's where I think, you know, he should be on more managers' radars. <clears throat> Last midfielder we've got here is Pulisic. Um, when he's fit, of course, uh, we don't know for sure if he'll miss any time. Maybe he'll play game week one. I would bet that uh, Lampard will kind of ease Polisic back into the starting 11. Certainly knows that he has a lot of weapons uh, in that midfield and, and in that attack, so <clears throat> it's not like he has to get Christian in straight away. Um, but once Christian is back, we know what this guy's capable of, right? We mentioned this earlier. Look at what he did against Liverpool coming off the bench in the last 20 minutes of the game. Just changed the course of that game. Took the reins and completely changed the momentum of that game, and if he had played maybe the whole game or more of that game, maybe Chelsea would have won that game. Um, This guy doesn't need a whole lot of time to get on the scoreboard, and you know, having... Werner there and Ziyech there you know maybe Havertz this is only going to make him better because he's going these guys are going to draw defenders i mean defenders are going to be just strapped hard of of what what they're going to do to defend this Chelsea attack it is impressive i am not a Chelsea supporter necessarily but i'm excited to see what this attack is going to look like this coming season once these players have had a chance to kind of gel uh it'll you know i would think be one of the top 2 if not the top attack in the the league maybe uh you know man city maybe liverpool give him a run but um you know i think um uh, player for player chelsea will have a better attack than liverpool because uh, Firmino for me doesn't really do anything <clears throat> i just think um you know there's a one two three say four or five headed monster in that Chelsea tag, because I think, um, I think Mount is a quality player too. And he kind of started strong last season and, you know, was, was talked about for a decent amount and then kind of fell off of everyone's radar there for a little while. But, um, Pulisic is, is the one that, that I'm focused on here as our last midfielder, uh, per appearance for midfielders last season. Um, and I believe this was for the, um, post restart, um, Top five for shots in the box. Um, he had two per appearance. Um, was tied for first in assist with a little over um, half per appearance. And fifth for FPL points per, per appearance with 6.3. So, you know, when you factor in the likes of Mane and Salah and De Bruyne, <clears throat> um, you know, he's that next level right there. And, and he's another one that he sort of has figured out Premier League life a little bit and how to how to be successful in that league. So um, you know if he stays healthy, he, he could have a, an amazing season. So I'm excited for him, especially as an American. And then our last category here, um, forwards. We got a few of them here. So you know a lot of people are talking about the shiny new objects, right? The the burners, uh, newly reclassified. Martial uh, Mitrovic is returning to the Premier League. So you know we see those three especially in a lot of. Um, managers drafts but you know think about some of these other players some very big names here that are really not being talked about hardly at all one of them is Aguero Uh, I think the last time I looked and I can't remember recently but it was somewhere in like the the 4.2 percent range or something ridiculous like that yeah um Pep will rotate him yeah Jesus may get the occasional start but it's all about what Aguero does when he's playing and this guy doesn't need a lot of time to get the job done. He may average 65, 70 minutes when he starts, uh, and he may start, you know, two-thirds of the games or something, but he kind of has been doing that for the past couple seasons anyway, and he's always right at the top. He was still towards the top for um, forwards this past season and was out for an extended period of time. Uh, at $10.5 million, he is a very strong consideration for our team. Uh, And if you look at him, last season, per appearance among forwards, had the most shots, most shots in the box, uh, and he was tied with Jesus for that. Most big chances, the highest expected goals, most goals per appearance, second most assists, and that's something that you also want out of your attackers is not just a one-trick pony that all they do is score goals because if that runs dry, then you've got nothing from them. So certainly uh, goal involvement on the other side of that equation, which is on the assisting side, is a a great thing for them. So second-most assists and second-most BPS, which we know is what's used to calculate bonus points, um, had the third-most FPL points per appearance among forwards and like i said whether he starts and plays 60 or 70 minutes or comes off the bench he really is an fpl manager's best friend and you just gotta love the guy and certainly if a certain uh comrade of his uh fellow countrymen comes to play with that team then man that attack is just i wish i could have five manchester city players um at that point Next up, Kane. So we do feel like if a Spurs attacker is, is being chosen or being considered, it's usually Sun over Kane, and that's usually because of the price difference. But remember, Kane, who was also out injured for some time, um, scored 18 goals last season, uh, which was good enough for third most among forwards, um, despite playing less minutes than several others sort of in that that general area. So um, don't don't sleep on Kane. Uh, Jimenez is up next second most shots on target among all forwards for the entirety of last season uh, most shots in the box among all forwards with 93 second most key passes again someone you're looking for with some assist potential um, <clears throat> and tied for most big chances created and highest expected assists um, among forwards so he You know, he's consistent, right? But he's not necessarily one that has these huge hauls. So, again, we want either someone who's going to be consistent like he is or someone that has a very, very high ceiling and they sort of all both average out over the course of the season. And then our last forward that we think uh, isn't getting the attention he deserves is Ings. So second most goals in the league overall last season – Second highest BPS among forwards last season, most bonus points for forwards, and third most FPL points among forwards. So that's a nice little healthy combination. So, um, you know, if you can find the $8.5 for um, Ings and or Jimenez, listen, they, they, they have proven that they won't do you wrong. And yes, it may be a little discouraging at a time or two throughout the season with them, but just hang on to them and, and they'll do what they do. And then we listed three potential surprises uh, that, let's put it this way, three players that could potentially surprise owners this season. One is Suchek uh, for West Ham. <clears throat> um, since the restart, uh, some impressive totals for midfielders priced five and a half or lower. Um, He had the most shots in that group. Second most shots on target, the most shots in the box, second most big chances, second highest XG or expected goals, and tied for most goals. At a player who's that inexpensive, I think what, he's five million, right? So we're even including players uh, priced a little bit higher than him. You know, um, you can't really expect more than that out of a player that's priced five million. That uh, you know, if he can sort of extend what he did and apply it over the course of the season uh, to what he did uh, post restart, then that could be another one of those um, those hidden gems there. Ward Prowse, I think, has a lot of potential um, for last season among midfielders that were priced at his six million uh, pound price tag or lower. He had the third most shots, the most shots on target, the highest expected goals, third most key passes, and third highest BPS, and also remember he's on set pieces uh, for his team. And then lastly, uh, a little bit of a maybe a a subjective sort of... uh, home field sort of feeling for this guy since he played here in Atlanta for Atlanta United, but Miguel Almiron, Miggy, uh, always smiling out there. And I think he's starting to kind of find his footing in the premier league and had some good moments there, uh, in the second half of the season. So for midfielders that were priced also sort of at that 6 million pound or lower price tag per appearance last season, um, he ranked third in most shots in the box and also third in big chances. So um, you know this is one of those things where, as the team does, he'll do. And if he can find some guys that can sort of finish his his uh, passes consistently, and can maybe work on his own finishing a little bit, um, he could pay some big dividends and, and be one of those um, differentials that we're always you know kind of that are elusive and that we're always looking for. So, all right, guys, that's gonna do it over an hour for tonight so if you've stuck with us this whole time uh you deserve a pat on the back so give yourself one on behalf of us um like we said we appreciate you guys greatly please check us out on instagram at let's talk soccer that's where we do the majority of what we do whatever it is that we do um but you know great uh banter from the community there lots of great input great questions great feedback Um, to each other y'all are pretty supportive of each other which is always nice Um, you know hopefully we're posting some content you find usable maybe a little bit that you find entertaining from time to time Uh, we hope that that you're getting something out of that Um, if you haven't yet give us a follow you know following isn't the end-all be-all for us it might be for some accounts it's it's not for us it's not like we're you know uh, we're monetizing this or, you know, going to sell out to, uh, you know, a big corporation or whatever. This is just because we love it and we know you love it. So um, let's come together and, and find a sort of a platform to, to share that love of stuff. So that's really what we, we think we've created and we hope you feel the same. But also check out Fantasy Football Hub. Click our link. You get a free trial. Use the data. There's comparison tools for players if you're debating between a couple or a few of them. You can slice and dice data and all kinds of other data a million different ways, both for players and for teams, so you can figure out what's going to work best for you. Um, give it that free trial. If you don't love it, you don't do it, but it's, like I said, it's a couple pounds a month, and even if you don't love that one, go check out one of the others and see if that works better for you. You know, even if it isn't Fantasy Football Hub with with all transparency, uh, we have an affiliation with, um, but we are believers in it. And we've been approached by you know other entities in the past to endorse things or promote things on their behalf, and we don't because we don't use it ourselves and we don't believe in it. And this is one of those things that we do, and so much so that, um, and we really believe in the process overall more than we believe in in anything else. If it's not going to be Fantasy Football Hub, check out one of the others and find the one that's best for you. Um, you know, each one has different things, and um, and you know, certain people might like certain platforms uh, or user experiences or types of data, or whatever better. So um, we just encourage you to find something. Um, but that's it, guys. Uh, take care. We'll catch you on the flip side. And remember, by the time you're listening to this, probably just 11 days, maybe even 10 days until the season starts. So get those teams set. Talk to you guys later. Peace and goodbye.